0: You're listening to a message from LifeWay Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. The next couple of weeks, we're going to have a series. We're going to, the series is is called uh, Famous Last Words, you know, when 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 someone passes from this earth, we often look at the last words that they had because it's important. You know, I've we're we're kind of mystery movie buffs, and we like um, you know there's there's many movies that we we see and the, the person's dying and they have a clue to what happened uh, in in their death and their. People are bending down to listen to the last word because it's the clue to what happened. And so this, this morning, we're going to bend in to hear the last words of Jesus. There were actually seven things that Jesus said when he was on the cross. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, forgiveness today. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. Uh, he said uh, seven things. Uh, that was the first thing. The second thing that he said is, today you'll be with me in paradise. Uh, The third thing was, behold your son, behold your mother. And then the fourth thing was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We're going to talk about that next week. Uh, The fifth thing was, I thirst. The sixth thing was, it is finished. And the seventh thing was, uh, Father, into your hands I've committed, or I'm committing my spirit to you. And so, Uh, These famous last words where Jesus was on the cross mean a lot. There's significance there. And so I'm reading from Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 32. We had it there on the screen a second ago. It says, the two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the Skull or Golgotha, where they crucified him along with... The criminals, one on his left and the other, or one on his right and the other on his left. Notice that the word says that he was crucified with the criminals, not the other criminals, because Jesus was not a criminal. But he, I think it's significant that he hung between two criminals. And he, he, um, he spoke to one criminal while he was on the cross. But we can see Jesus at this point hanging on the cross and he's going to say a few things before he actually commends his spirit or gives his spirit up to his father. And uh, the first thing he said was, Father, forgive them, but let's push the pause button and back up to see how Jesus got to this place. First of all, he was born of a virgin, Mary of the seed of the Holy Spirit so there was no sin in him sinless from birth he lived a perfect life can you imagine never getting upset at anybody and never sinning and acting on that thought of of anger now the the thoughts must have come to him because The Bible says that he he can be touched with the feeling of our infirmity and he dealt with those things, right? He was a man and tempted in all points like we are, right? But the point is he lived a sinless life. Jesus did all, he always did what was always right. Never made a wrong choice. He completely, to the nth degree, fulfilled the Father's will. He loved everybody unconditionally. Just just think about that. How many times do we miss it? (laughs) And how many times do we not love unconditionally? But Jesus, every time he had the opportunity, multiple times a day, I'm sure, he chose to love people unconditionally. And he also loved the unlovable. He reached out to those that didn't reach back to him. He loved those that no one else loved. He touched the lepers. He went about teaching, and people were changed by his teachings. Not only changed by his teachings, but healed by the healing ministry of Jesus, like we talked about the the past four weeks. And so Jesus walked on this earth as a spotless lamb, the Bible says. Everywhere he went for three years when he was healing people, there was not one that he said, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I just, I don't have a cure for you. He was all, he had, he had what everyone needed. And so here he is hanging on the cross when he did nothing wrong. I said in a message a couple of weeks ago, um, even though he did everything right, He was betrayed by one of those that were the closest, closest to him. He trusted Judas Iscariot with the money. That has to be a trustworthy person. But he was betrayed by Judas Iscariot. And and Judas Iscariot was with him for three years. You know, you ask questions, well, if Jesus knew this, then why didn't he cut him off? And why didn't he ship him away? And why didn't he throw him off the team? Because Jesus always had hope that there would be repentance. He always believed in people. He always loved people. Remember when Jesus was brought before Pilate. Pilate said, I find find no fault in him. (laughs) He is innocent before me. This man has committed no crime. And so Pilate sends him to Herod. And uh, then Herod, out of fear, sends him back to Pilate right? Then Pilate knows that uh, he, he shouldn't have Jesus crucified, so he says, okay, we've got another guy here, Barabbas, and I'll let the people choose. Is it Barabbas or is it Jesus? Is it Barabbas or is it Jesus? And the crowd chanted, crucify him, crucify him. Innocent man, crucified, crucified. He's hanging on this cross now. Tried in a religious court, in a Roman court, and he was charged with blasphemy. But now he's hanging on this cross innocently. The Bible says as, as the lamb that was led before the slaughter. There was no fault found in him, but here he is on the cross. So I think it's significant to lean in to what Jesus was saying when he started speaking on the cross. You can imagine uh, the energy level that he had after being beat within an inch of his life and then crucified and being hung on a cross and then lifting the cross and letting it fall. And would, would we, ask yourself, would I have the energy to even say anything at that point? The very first thing that he said was a prayer. It was a prayer. It wasn't wasn't complaining. It wasn't, how did this happen? I'm innocent. It was a prayer, and it was a prayer for his enemies. Why did he pray? Because he knew that forgiveness frees, and failing to forgive binds. In verse 34, here's his prayer. The very first thing that he said, hanging up on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. I'm glad he said them. It was all inclusive. Jesus was very inclusive. Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Wow. I I want us to really get the impact of that. Think about. Of all the things he could have said, of all the things that he could have done, the Bible even says that he could, he, he could have called a legion of angels to come and rescue him off of the cross. And he had every right to do so. Restore life into his body and continue living on this earth. But he chose. Listen, some people think that Jesus was murdered, but Jesus was not murdered. Jesus gave his life willingly. You can't murder someone that is laying down their life willingly. The Bible says that he had the power to give it, he had the power to take it away, and Jesus chose to give his life for you and for me because he loved us. And that great love, and we quote this scripture constantly, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. That, was, that, that includes us. We, we didn't do anything to deserve his love, and we can't do anything to Merit his love, right? And here he is, love embodied, praying a prayer for his enemies. Father, forgive them. So the significance of this prayer has three points. Three points. The first point, Jesus, in this prayer, fulfilled prophecy. He fulfilled prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 53, 700 years before this moment, Isaiah, the prophet, wrote, In Isaiah 53, 12, he poured out his life unto death, speaking of Jesus, and was numbered with the transgressors. He was put right in the middle of two criminals. For he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. This is a prophecy that was fulfilled by Jesus, and and guys, there was... Over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled in his life on earth. The birth, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. The birth, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. Over 300 prophecies from the Old Covenant, the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled. And 48 of those prophecies during that that death, burial, and resurrection, that last week that we're Celebrating here leading up to Easter. So Jesus, in his prayer, is fulfilling prophecy because he's making intercession for the transgressors. He prayed for them that persecuted him. And he was put between two that deserved death, yet he prayed for them he prayed for those that mocked him. He prayed for the, those, those very same people that yelled, crucify him. How many in the crowd do you think were yelling, crucify him, and weeks later, they may have given their life to Jesus? Think about that. Because of the love that he had as he was going through this, this whole time, his heart and his mind were fixed on his Father. And those that needed the very thing that he came to provide, that forgiveness, that's a key to walking through something. Fixing your mind and your heart on the Father and praying for those that need that, that forgiveness. The second point about this prayer, the significance of this prayer, is that Jesus modeled the importance of prayer. Let me just pause here with the message and let you know, as always, you can get the notes at lifeway.church, forward slash, and then the date. Today is 4-7-19. So if you want to follow along, that's the standard, the digital notes. So the second point here is Jesus modeled the importance of prayer by praying on the cross. Like I said, he could have done anything. He could have complained. He could have said, I don't deserve this. I was unjustly accused, and now I'm hanging on this cross, and why? What is this all about? But he began to pray. The very first thing out of his mouth, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. In Matthew 6, in verse 9, I'm going to read the prayer that Jesus told his disciples to pray. Now, when his disciples realized that Jesus' prayer life was very effective and powerful, they asked him, how how should we pray? And Jesus said, pray after this manner. He didn't necessarily say, use these words, right? And so he gave us what we call the model prayer or the Lord's Prayer. Really, it could be labeled the disciples' prayer because (laughs) this was for the disciples'. But he said, pray like this. And it's interesting, this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us. Everybody say forgive. forgive. He's teaching forgiveness in this model prayer. Forgive us, first of all, forgive us of our debts. Not just talking about money. But where we've wronged someone, we ask for forgiveness. And then it says, we, and, and, and forgive uh, us our debts and as, as, we, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so that's tied together. Our forgiveness is tied to the forgiveness that we give to others. We're going to see that in a, in a moment. But Jesus is telling us right in the middle of this model prayer that forgiveness is primary Forgiveness is ulti- the, the the ultimate thing in prayer, because through the sacrifice of Jesus we receive forgiveness. He came to forgive, and He's teaching us to forgive, even as He's teaching us how to pray. Verse thirteen says, "Lead us not to, into temptation, but deliver us from evil." For, and then verse fourteen is tied to this whole passage. We stop at verse 13 many times, right? Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And everybody says, Amen. We pray the Lord's Prayer. But look at verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, Jesus is still talking here, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Again, why did Jesus pray when he was on the cross? Because he knew that forgiveness frees and unforgiveness binds. And he specifically prayed for others. He didn't pray for himself. He never gave up on people. Think about Peter and how he knew that Peter was going to betray him. But he, he prayed for Peter. There were times he prayed that Peter's faith would fail not. There were, he never lost hope in Peter. There was always forgiveness extended to Peter. And so Jesus is now on the cross extending forgiveness to his enemies, to those who took him and beat him, those who yelled, crucify him. The third point from this prayer on the cross of forgiveness is that Jesus is revealing at the very end of his ministry man's greatest need. Man's greatest need. In Matthew 26, verse 28, Jesus made this statement. This is my blood. Now, he he is talking about celebrating this communion or what we call the Lord's Supper that he did with his disciples at the very end of his earthly ministry. He said, take this cup. This cup has the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many and then he tells the purpose that the blood was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus came. He came to heal, yes. He came to set those who were oppressed and demon-possessed free. Yes, he did. But his ultimate His ultimate purpose was to come and bring forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin is man's greatest need. And some some people think that man's greatest need is success or blessing or healing. And God likes blessing. He likes healing. And he likes success. But again, all of those things without salvation, without forgiveness of sin mean nothing. Forgiveness of sin is the greatest need that man has. He used this statement when he said, for they know not what they do. I want you to write this phrase down. Ignorance does not equal innocence. Ignorance does not equal innocence. Just because those that nailed him to the cross were obeying orders from their superiors and they really didn't understand what they were doing, their sinfulness is what put Jesus on the cross. Innocence, our ignorance, doesn't equal innocence. We weren't there 2,000 years ago, but because we were born into sin, our sinfulness put Jesus on the cross because of Adam's sin. Do we understand that? That Jesus became sin as he was being nailed to the cross? Sometimes, when Jesus was on the earth, he forgave people. As he's he's alive before the finished work, he forgave people. And that upset a lot of religious people. How could he forgive sin? People got mad. But he said this in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 6, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. He had authority to forgive sin. He had the authority of the Father to forgive sin. But now he is suspended between heaven and earth. And at this very moment, he's asking his Father to forgive them. He is taking on the role as the chief intercessor between holy heaven and sinful earth. And he's saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't really know the totality of what they're doing. This intercessor, motivated by love, who has the authority to forgive, is praying this prayer what, what powerful words that he's speaking. He's asking the Father to forgive even though he knows that they don't deserve it and we don't deserve it. But love forgives. Guys, we have to really come to grips with uh, the day that we're living in and the time we're living in when we hear things like, We want justice served. What that can be translated as is we want our revenge. But here's Jesus. Innocently accused. Sacrificed. Hanging on a cross. And he's praying for the father not to get revenge but to forgive. Because, again, forgiveness frees and failing to forgive what? Binds. Let's say that together. Forgiveness frees, failing to forgive binds. It's powerful. The day that we're living is so filled with hate. Hate. Revenge. Hate. Revenge. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. We live in a bloodthirsty Society. Jesus is hanging. First things out of his mouth Father, forgive them. So powerful. He did the very opposite. When he was hurt and abused and tortured, he loved them enough to ask his Father to forgive them. There's many here in this room this morning and people that are, that that may be watching, that maybe you've been hurt in church. Maybe you've been hurt outside the church. Doesn't matter today whether you're in or out of the church. People are hurt. People are hurting. People are walking wounded. It's like the living dead. They're hurt, wounded, living with the pain of broken relationships, offense, being offended, angry, betrayed, abused, lied about, horrible things done to innocent people. What do you do when you're hurt like that? You do what Jesus did. You pray. You pray. When someone hurts you, you pray. You pray. Number one, you pray for those who hurt you. Luke 6.28 says, this is Jesus talking again, bless those who curse you. That's a big contrast, isn't it? People that are cursing you, Uh, Jesus is telling us, don't curse back. Bless. Bless. The, The power to bless is always greater than the power to curse. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. We've all been mistreated in one way or another. Some more and some less, but... The answer is still the same. Pray for those who mistreat you. Your prayer shouldn't be, Lord, straighten them out. Or we make it sound spiritual by saying something like this. Lord, you see how they've hurt me. Just let them reap what they've sown. And we quote the scripture in Galatians. In Galatians, and you're going to reap what you sow. We make it sound spiritual, but still that, that heart of rebe- revenge is not the right heart. My prayer for others may or may not change them or change the situation, but it always changes me. My prayer for others may or may not change them or the situation, but it always changes me. And that's powerful. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44. This is another powerful passage that Jesus spoke. Again, there's nothing greater than forgiveness, guys. There is nothing greater than forgiveness. This is what God gave us to, to get us into the door of eternal life with him. This is what brought us in relationship with God. Forgiveness. Such an important message subject. Matthew 5, 43 says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How powerful. Jesus spoke these words before he was brought to the end of his life and nailed to the cross. And so he really believed what he said. Because he's hanging there asking for forgiveness for those who tortured him and put him on the cross. The second thing we should pray for when someone hurts us is pray for restoration. Pray for restoration. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 and 18. Restoration. I believe that today by the end of this, by the end of this message... There, there are going to be relationships that are restored by the power of God, by the through forgiveness and by the power of God. Romans twelve seventeen and eighteen says this: Do not repay anyone evil for evil. In other words, don't take revenge. If it is possible, everybody say, "If it is possible." It is possible. <laughs> and it always is. As far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on, say, if it, if it, as far as it depends on me, it it is possible possible to live in peace peace with with everyone. That's inclusive, right? As far as it depends on me, it is possible that I'm going to live in peace. It's a choice that I make to live in peace with everyone because I'm a forgiver. I'm a forgiver. I'm a believer in Christ Jesus, and I'm a forgiver like he was a forgiver. If you study the gifts of uh, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, you see that one of the gifts of the Spirit in the King James Version, it uses the word forbearing, to be forbearing. That Greek word actually means to give forgiveness in advance. To give forgiveness in advance. And so I can only give forgiveness through the grace that was given to me, through the forgiveness that God gave to me, through his grace. By his grace, he gave forgiveness to me. And so that forgiveness should be flowing from me to others. Because there's two things that I recognize. Others are going to need to be forgiven, and I'm also going to need to be forgiven. Right? Forgiveness frees, but failing to forgive does what? It binds. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. We pray for restoration. Never pray the selfish prayer. Lord, and listen, we've all done this, and we just sometimes just need to, it does good to admit it. We pray, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me and judgment shall be shown to be in the wrong. Come on, come on, come on. Love covers one or two sins. A multitude. That means you can't number it. It, it. You get the picture of God calling Abraham out of the tent and saying, look at the sand, look at the stars. Tell, tell, can, can you count? You'll be here from now till forever counting the stars in the sand. If love covers a multitude of sin, let's quit playing, praying those selfish prayers of, oh, I've got to defend. I got to defend. I got to revenge. I got to defend me. If God is your defender, is he big enough? Come on, somebody. Let me ask it again. If God is big enough, (laughs) if God's your defender, is he big enough? Absolutely. That's why he wants us to walk in forgiveness. Forgiveness is so powerful. Look at Colossians three thirteen. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance, grievances plural, whatever they are. Forgive. That means there's no excuse. We we we, we can't hold anything back and say ah, oh, but but but. Just I, I just I. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as, underline the word as if it's not underlined in your Bible, because that is a condition. Forgive as God has forgiven you. Does God ever remind you of the sin that he has forgiven you of? Never. I've never gone to my father and said, Lord, I'm so sorry that I did that again and I have had the Lord to tell me, I don't know what you're talking about. When I bring up something that I've already asked him to forgive me of, he said, I separated separated you from that sin as far as the east is from the west. His forgiveness works, and when we walk in forgiveness, it works. Every time. Every time. Why is forgiving others so important? Because unforgiveness will stop all spiritual growth in your life. I'll say it again on this side to this group of people. And I probably should say it for the camera for those group of people. Unforgiveness will stop all spiritual growth, all spiritual growth in your life. That's why it's so important to forgive. And Jesus said that multiple times, guys, multiple times. The Holy Spirit said it through the Apostle Paul multiple times about forgiveness. Forgiveness, unforgiveness or not forgiving people is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's not going to happen, but you'll be the one that dies from the poison, right? Look at a couple more scriptures here. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14. Matthew 6, 14. This is so important. Jesus is saying this, and he said this, and we read it before earlier. If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty clear. Now, I don't know if you can... Homiletically and hermeneutically explain that scripture away. But it came out of the words of Jesus' mouth and it is written in red and red letter edition Bibles. So if you have a problem with that about the forgiveness of God and how he forgives and what we hold on to blocks that love and forgiveness in our own life, Jesus is saying get rid of it. Let's be free today. Today I'm going to invite you to forgive somebody maybe that you have something against. And maybe maybe you didn't realize that you had something against that person or those people. But I want us to get a picture of Jesus on the cross. And he's praying for us here. April the 7th in 2019. In this very location he's praying because Jesus always gets his prayers answered. They're always powerful. Romans 8, 34, this last scripture, it says, Christ Jesus, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he's also interceding for us. So right now, at this very moment, Jesus is interceding for us because he wants us to discover something that may be blocking our life. something that may be standing in the way of the next step that he has for us or the blessing that he's bringing or maybe even healing. We were talking about healing for four weeks, about healing. And I've seen people when they begin to forgive and operate in this this forgiveness that their bodies begin to respond and their mind begins to respond. Forgiveness frees, but unforgiveness or failing to forgive always binds. So I want us to close our eyes right now, and we're going to ask the Lord. First, I want us to see Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross. And the very first words, I don't know how long it took him to, to get up the, enough strength to say these first words, but these were the first of his last words on the cross. Father, he could have said anything, guys. He could have, he could have done anything but he chose to say Father forgive them forgive them for they know not what they're doing the power to forgive choosing to forgive Lord speak to us this morning and show us if there's there's any any unwillingness to forgive we desire Father We desire to forgive, to be forgiven. We desire to be set free today. To be set free from anything that has been binding us. So speak to us and show us, help us to see that what Jesus did he asked us to do. Not in our own strength, not in our own power, not because we feel like it or because we may think it's a good idea. But we agree with him That is, it's the only thing to do anytime we're hurt. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. If you know in your heart that there's somebody that or a group of people maybe that you need to forgive, I'm going to lead you in a, in, a, in a prayer of forgiveness. If that's you and you need to do that this morning, I don't necessarily need to know who you are or I don't need to see your hand, but possibly the Lord does. So if that's you, I want you to just just raise your hand right up there where you are. You can raise it and put it down. You're signifying to God, I'm serious. Yes, Lord, that's me. I need to forgive. Thank you for forgiving me. Lord, thank you for forgiving us. And Father, you know every person in here, the prayers they're praying. Whether we raise our hand or stand up or come to the front, or you know, you know who is responding and what we're doing here. And so help me, Father, lead us in this prayer of forgiveness. In Jesus' name. As we're here and we, we need to forgive, let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, Thank you for forgiving me. Your love is so great. Your forgiveness is so big. Thank you that your blood is so powerful to forgive me and forgetting it. Thank you for throwing my sin in the sea of forgetfulness that you remember it no more father right now I choose to forgive others you just name that name of that person or people father we choose to forgive that person we choose to forgive them right now in this very moment we're making a choice doesn't depend on our feelings. It doesn't depend on our opinion. doesn't even mean that we're saying they're wrong and we're right. None of that. We choose to forgive right now. Say this, Father, I ask you to forgive them too. And I thank you that you already have Thank you for setting me free right now in Jesus' name. Now I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that everything that has been holding us back or binding us in any way, shape, or form, that it be broken by the power of the love of God, the forgiveness that flows from every heart in this place right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes and showing us how your forgiveness frees and how much you have forgiven us. And as we leave here, we thank you that you help us by your spirit to walk in this real love and forgiveness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody just say in Jesus' name. Let's all stand. If you're here today and you need to begin to follow Jesus, I never want to leave without making this invitation. I want you to look up here and and look at me. As many people as here, or as many people that watch this video, anybody that listens to what I'm saying at this very moment, there's that many possibilities that you came to Jesus in a different way than I did. Right? So there is no one set formula way of people coming to Jesus. That's why sometimes you'll hear people say, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to stand up. I want you to come forward. Others people say, I want you to sit right there. Everybody head bow and every eye closed and just acknowledge to the Lord that that's what you're doing. You're making a personal decision. It's a sacred thing that's happening between you and the Lord. I don't need you to come to, to the front so I can pat myself on the back. Look what I did. No, it's look what Jesus did in your life at that very moment. Now, I would just wanted to clarify that, but listen, if you're making this decision today, then you, you need to follow that up with water baptism. That's what the Bible teaches. And we believe that water baptism is a public profession of your faith. It's to let everybody know that, hey, I am following Jesus I'm a follower of Christ. That's how we identify ourselves, as a follower of Christ. The more we follow him, the more we look like him, the more we act like him, the more we sound like him. And so I want to encourage you, as you're leading people to follow Christ, don't even allow them to think By any stretch of their imagination, that it's going to be so radical that one day it's this way and one day it's that way. Because here's what happens that's wrong. I'm just spending a little bit of time to kind of clear up some things here. When people begin to follow Jesus and they acknowledge Jesus and they choose Jesus, it's a gradual process. Most of the time, there are those cases where it's just radical. Like Saul on the road to Damascus, right? But if you ask most people and you take a survey, most people didn't have a radical conversion like Saul. It was a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there. And then they decided, I'm going to follow Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.